but I've been asked to do the Bible reading now, so if you'd open our sheets to Psalm 121, we will say this, uh, we will look at this psalm. I will read it out. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. On December 28, 1996, in this building, down that end of the church, uh, I was married to Jenny. Uh, we had no idea what lay ahead for us. I was a student at Ridley College. I was considering ordination. I didn't have much money. When we got engaged, we had talked about going to Pakistan as missionaries. We even made a five-year plan, which included getting married, uh, me getting ordained, a visit to Pakistan so Jenny could see what it was like. When people asked me if Pakistan was dangerous at that time, I said, no, I don't think so. At that time, uh, suicide bombings were, uh, had happened very rarely in other places around the world. I said, no, I don't think that's likely to happen in Pakistan. Little did I know. Osama bin Laden, who planned the attacks of the World Trade Center, eventually hid out in Islamabad, less than 100 kilometers from, uh, as the crow flies, from where we were to live eventually. Jenny and I left Australia in February of 2000. We were farewelled uh, here by St Jude's for our first term of three years. September of that same year, we were back after the 9-11 attacks and the repercussions that had in Pakistan. When we got married, we had big plans small plans, we planned out our wedding and our honeymoon, we had a five-year plan, we had things that we thought we knew about, but there were lots of unknowns, things that nobody could know. One thing that we did know was we needed help. 
We asked for people to pray for us, and St Jude's did. We had no idea how much help we would need. We weren't feeling that there was a lot of risk, but we still needed protection. We needed someone to watch over us. Well, today, as we approach the new year, none of us really know what is in store for us in the next year, do we? We might have plans. Who knows if they'll happen or not? Who knows how they'll change? For our family, things are going to look quite different. We now have our kids are um, adults. Uh, We'll have two at university, one likely at Melbourne University. That's a significant life change for our family, for uh, both the kids and and for us. Uh, For some of you, the new year will bring a new baby. I'm sure some people will get married this year at St Jude's. Some families, there'll be children starting childcare, kinder, primary school, high school, and some at university. Some people will stop working at their current job for whatever reason. Some will start new jobs. Some might move overseas. Some of us might be facing really important life-changing decisions. People will die in 2024, and very likely people that we know and love. And for some, it won't be expected. On on a global scale, we hope and we pray that some wars, or all of them, will stop, that no new ones will start. We hope there'll be no more global pandemics. We hope that climate change will slow a bit. This year, many people will arrive on our shores as refugees. Some people, and we pray many people at St Jude's, will come to know Jesus for the first time. And some people may turn away from their faith. Whether you know it or not, whether you feel it or not, whether you ask for it or not, in 2024 and all the time, we need help. We need guidance. We need someone to watch over us. We need a friend that we've been singing about. We need someone to watch over those who we love, who we can't watch all the time. So what what will that help look like? Where will it come from? How will you recognise when that help will come? Do you believe that you'll get the help that you need? Well, the help we're talking about is mentioned in the first verse of Psalm 121. Uh, You'll find um, the verses in the handout that we got when you came in. And the question it begins with is, where does my help come from? Before that, it says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. This uh, psalm is one of the psalms of ascent, and they were uh, likely sung by pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem, Mount Zion. They might be going there for a festival to make a sacrifice, 
they might be coming to make a, a special request to God to bring their needs to him, to ask for help or guidance or protection. That's what the pilgrims would do. The city of Jerusalem is, is set on a mountain, Mount Zion, about 770 metres, not too high. But as the, the pilgrims are approaching Jerusalem, the idea is they're looking up, they lift their eyes in anticipation. This is where the Lord God dwells, the one who can help them, the one who they're coming to, to ask for help. Mountains can, can represent a safe place strategically, a, a high place safe from the enemies. You can see them coming from a distance. But it may also be that mountains can bring a, a feeling of foreboding. The pilgrims might be on their way home and they have to travel through the mountains, not sure what dangers are lying there either hidden or even expected. Where, where does help come from? Whether we're moving to a, a safe place or we're moving tentatively towards something uncertain, something fearful, whatever the situation, we're encouraged to lift up our eyes and ask the question, where does my help come from? One thing we know is it, it doesn't come from, from the mountains themselves. The mountains, whether they're symbolising strength or hope or peace or calm or even whether uh, danger or uncertainty, they're not going to provide the help we need. You see, help comes from the Lord, not from the mountains. Help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the maker of the mountains. For those whose faith was in the Lord, the God of Israel, Mount Zion would have positively reminded them that their help comes from the Lord, God who had chosen to come down and dwell with his people. The temple built on the mountain represented God's presence, the place where God came down to be with his people. And so it's a good thing for the approaching pilgrims to look up and to encourage themselves, to encourage one another to be reminded of God's presence with them. It's good to have things to remind us to, that God is there, that God is our helper. Christmas, the day and the season that we celebrate, is a, is a very tangible reminder that our God comes down to be with us, to dwell with his people. He actually lives on earth and walks and dwells with us. He comes to bring salvation, to save us. And then as we celebrate Advent, the whole season, we're actually, we're reminded to look forward to when he comes again to help and to save us. If there was ever a temptation to trust in the, the size of the mountains or the refuge they provided, the serenity that is there, we're reminded that the Lord is the creator of the mountains. If the mountains are something to fear, then the Lord who made the mountains is, is far greater than any mountain. 
They're his workmanship. They're what he made. The tallest and strongest and most dangerous mountain was made by the Lord. And he can just as easily knock it down, remove it. We have nothing to fear when our helper is the maker. Nothing is too big for him. He's the maker not only of the mountains, but of everything in heaven and earth. He's the maker of anything that threatens his people. The people, you and I, that he made, that he loves, who are who he calls friends. The Lord, our help, is our creator. But is he like the watchmaker or the, someone who winds up the clock and then leaves it to its own devices to see how it will go, sits back and has a rest? What, what form does God's help take? Does he send down a few supplies from time to time when we, when we might need them, shouting out good advice? I was at a, a maze um, down the Mornington Peninsula a couple of days ago and, and there's a little platform and people can get up there and shout advice to those going through the maze. That's not the picture we have here, as we'll see. In verse 3, he will not let your foot slip. Have you seen a, a baby learning to walk? The parent holds their child by the arm so that they, their foot doesn't slip, so they don't fall over. And then once they do start walking by themselves, you need to keep your eyes on them all the time to make sure they're safe. As we get older, falls can be quite dangerous. There are devices and even some phones that will detect falls and will connect you to a 24-hour emergency service, but they detect the falls. They don't stop you from falling. Verse 3, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Our God, our Lord, the maker of heaven and earth is watching over you, is watching over me. As a parent watches their child holding their hands, helping them learn to walk, he holds our hand. He doesn't get tired or sleepy or weak. His eyes don't even get heavy. He doesn't need a nap, let alone a sleep. He doesn't forget or get distracted by all the other people who need help. He doesn't have brain fog. He doesn't have more important priorities than you. He doesn't take annual leave or sick leave or stress leave. He doesn't take public holidays or long service leave after all those thousands and thousands of years. He's there 24 hours. You might say 60 seconds of every minute. 365 days of the year and 366 on leap years. Verse 5, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade 
at your right hand. He's as close as your right hand, like your shadow that never leaves you. Apologies to left-handers, but you can put in left hand there. Same idea. He provides comfort and peace, refreshment and strength for our, our, whatever our major dominant hand is. He provides protection. Verse 6, the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. You might remember the reminder in Deuteronomy that we've been studying. God's people were reminded by God of how he cared for them, how he protected them when they were going through the desert. He provided a cloud during the day. The cloud, by the cloud, God led them. He showed them where to go. He gave them instructions, helped them find the way. They didn't need a GPS or anything else. He told them when to move, when to stop, when to turn left or right. And then, of course, the cloud provided relief on the hot desert sun. It provided shade and the coolness that they needed. But then at night time, when the desert gets really cold, then, and you can't see the cloud because of the dark, then God provides a, a fire for light and for warmth to comfort his people again, to guide them, to protect them. You need light to be safe. He also, not mentioned here, but we remember he provided food, the bread, the manna, the sweetness during the day, and the quail, it even gave them meat. God made a promise that he would protect his people, and even though they didn't fulfill their end of the bargain, God still protected them. He kept them safe. He got them through the desert. And we were reading about them ready to go the next step into the land that he promised them. God watched them through the desert every step of the way. From all harm, for all time. Just, just in case you haven't gotten it yet, we continue in verse 7. If you're wondering if there's anything... You know, maybe you can think of something or worry about something that God won't protect you from, maybe. Anything maybe he can't manage or can't do. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He watches over your life. Verse 8, he will watch over your coming and your going, both now, just now, forevermore. You might be thinking right now of some immediate problem that you need help with, something you're trying to work out, where we're going to go tonight for New Year's Eve. I've still got lots of work preparing the estates camp. There are lots of things that we, we're thinking about that we need help with. But we now take a step back in the psalm you see, God doesn't just help us with these problems that are right in front of us that might be filling up your head and my head right now. He'll protect you. He'll protect us from everything. 
all the things, all the problems you haven't even thought about yet. He will protect you from, from all harm. In another translation, it says all evil. He is able, he can, and he will. Some people are really good at seeing and thinking up all the problems, aren't they? Obstacles, sicknesses, even people can often be the problem, can't they? Even the evil of the unseen world and spirits that many of us don't think much about at all. He's got it all under control. He'll protect us from all of it, whether we're thinking about it, even whether we ask him or not very often. Verse 8, the Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. All harm, all evil, all the time. Not just the next hour, the next day, the next year, the next five years. We have a five-year strategic plan here at St. Jude's. We need help with, don't we? Not even just the next 10 or 20 years till you retire or finally finish studying. What about the next 100 years when none of us will be around? For every single one of God's people, for all time, for eternity. Have you ever wondered or feared if God will keep you when you die? Will you make it to heaven? As a teenager, that was a very real fear for me. It says, both now and forevermore. That includes eternity, not just our life here and now. Now coming back to the here and the now, your coming and your going. This reminded me of, again, in Deuteronomy when they were told to teach the law to their children, to remind them of God's law, of God's words in the house and when they're on the way and they're coming and they're going to remember God in the regular rhythms of the day. And here we're told God's protection, his help isn't just in our plans, our fears, but in the regular rhythm, the coming and the going every Every day, every day of 2024. But you might be wondering, does this mean, is it saying that someone who belongs to God will never be harmed, will never face evil? I don't think it can mean that, can it? I think we all face harm and evil from time to time. One writer wrote, to be kept from all harm, to be kept from all evil, doesn't mean a cushioned life, but a well-armed life is the word he used. I think he means one where you have the help, the resources you need to get through the problems. He compares 
this with Psalm 23. Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he doesn't promise we won't. I will fear no evil, for you are with me, with us, through the difficulties. The Lord helping us does not stop us from going through the valleys. Our helper, our keeper, the one who watches us, he doesn't make a promise to remove every obstacle, every problem, but instead to be with us at our right hand through every part of life to help us to get through it. The same writer points out in Luke chapter 21, Jesus is speaking in verse 16, he says, not a hair of your head will perish. Sounds a bit like this, doesn't it? No harm. But then in the same breath, Jesus is talking about being martyred for your faith in Luke 21. A bit later in verse 19, Jesus talks about gaining your life by giving it up. Your life here doesn't mean living a comfortable life or even dying a painless death. So God watching over our lives, keeping us from all harm, isn't a promise of an easy life, but a life with God, with the Lord as our helper, watching over us. And we can kind of see that with our kids, can't we? We don't keep them from every harm. We do our best to look after them, all with our friends. God is there at our right hand, as close as our shade, caring for us, giving us what he knows we need and not testing us beyond what we can endure. Those are his promises. Well, when we got married, while we thought we had plans, and many of them actually, we, our five-year plan kind of worked out, we got to Pakistan in that time, we still had no idea of what lay ahead. We needed, we desperately needed help. Where did our help come from? Psalm 121 was our favourite psalm while we were in Pakistan. I even preached on it at Uni Church when we were back one time. During the hard times, we didn't think, why isn't this coming true? But it was a comfort to us. Pakistan was very hard at times. One of our colleagues died in the first few years. There were terrorist attacks. Pakistani Christians died. We got sick. We got stressed, sometimes very stressed. In the first few years, I was asked to prepare some missionary kids for baptism. There was a school in Murray and... What surprised me was the stories those kids told me of how hard it was in a missionary kid's school to be a Christian. A lot of the kids were turning their back on the faith of their parents for all kinds of reasons. It wasn't cool to be a Christian. Shortly after the baptisms, there was an attack. The whole school, over about a month, up and moved to Thailand where it was safer. One day there at Thailand, 
Uh, the principal, he was uh, one of our colleagues from Tasmania, a big, tall guy with a deep voice. He was out there doing the, the rounds for recess, yard duty, and he spotted some kids. And they were in a classroom, not supposed to be in the classrooms during recess. So up he marches with his deep voice to find out what these kids are doing. They were praying. What, what happened after the attack, after all those things had happened, is many of those kids tur- turned back to God. They turned back to the faith of their parents, the God of their parents, the God of Israel. That year after the attack, I saw a photo, I wasn't there, at the pool. There were ten or more kids there for baptism. There were just two or three the year that I did them. One of the boys I baptised is now a theologian. One of the girls has returned to Pakistan as a missionary. We, we couldn't see at the time why all these horrible things were happening. We, we didn't even always feel that God was there. But he was, and we can see it looking back. We can see the, the Christians we were able to encourage, the Bible college students, the friends, the expatriates, the diplomats, the neighbours that we were able to share Jesus with, the growth in the Bible college where I worked. We did have an assurance that God was there at our right hand, even if we couldn't feel it. When things were hard, as well as when things were easy, going well. There were some things that I still don't understand why they happened. One day I will. I know God had a purpose. I can't see it now. But one day we will, because we trust in the maker of heaven and earth, the one who will not let our foot slip, the one who guided his people with the cloud and the fire. He knows what he's doing. Just yesterday, I visited a woman who had come to Australia as a refugee and become a Christian. Let's call her Ivy. I'm told that if Ivy goes back to her home country and she dies there and they bury her in the Christian cemetery, because she's converted from the national religion, if somebody heard about it, they could dig up her body and put her in the cemetery of the religion of that country. She hasn't told her family back home yet that she's a Christian. When they visit her in Australia, she has to hide the Bibles and the crosses in her house. This year, she wants to make a decision about telling her family and facing those consequences. There's no promise to her that everything will be okay when she does tell them. She needs wisdom. She needs someone to watch over her. Not to avoid the hard times, but to get through them. Here are some words of encouragement that I've been thinking about as I've been reading Psalm 121. I could say to her, as you 
decide to tell your family when you do, your help comes from the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. He won't let your foot slip. He's always there, never tiring. He's your shade and your shelter right there. And I could turn those into a prayer for her. Each of us could do that, couldn't we? Someone who needs to hear that or say them to ourselves as we read Psalm 121. Pray them to God. They're great words of comfort. We can even use these words as we explain the gospel to someone. The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who I believe in, he is my help. He could be your help. Will you trust him? Will you ask for his help? Will you call out to him to save you? The message we proclaim, the saviour we profess, he is the help this world so desperately needs. So as we approach this new year, will you lift up your eyes? Will you ask yourself, where does my help come from? Will you acknowledge that you desperately need God's help? Will you ask him for that help? Will you encourage someone else with these great truths? Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, our help, remind us that we need you. Remind us that you are our maker bigger than any of our problems. We're so grateful that you will not let our foot slip. We thank you that you keep us and watch us both now and forevermore. Encourage us, help us to remember in this new year. In Jesus' name, amen.